out there welcome to small talk podcast with dj airs on brooklyn radio this is small talk podcast uh we're in toronto and we're all up here for the red bull freestyle can everybody just introduce themselves how you doing al just came all the way down from wichita just <laughs> i'm uh dj indian or ian compo of a tribe called red i'm uh, maceo from de la soul <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I'm Small Town Pete from Calgary. <laughs> I'm Maceo from De La Soul. <laughs> Once again, it's time to buy more soul. Flavor you will save it in your soul. Wax is distributed in thin soul. Which washes in the metropolitan soul. PA makes his proctor on the console. Scream your heart until you blow your console. Bangle bang until you wear your shoe soul. You are now dressed to the new sort of like trivia questions to ask you. Um, uh, what does touche et lelepu mean? Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did the Batmobile catch a flat? Never. <laughs> um, no, but my real question uh, though is, is uh, do you remember, I mean of course you remember, what was, when, was, when did you first meet Prince Paul? And did like some, did, did a, was it an industry thing? Did somebody put you with him? Or did, did you just meet him? I met Paul Amityville. Um, I moved to Long Island in 84. From I met, where? Uh, from Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. From and, where Flatbush, sure. Uh, <coughs> I was a nomad in Brooklyn. I lived all over okay. Brooklyn. Primarily Bedford-Stuyvesant and then between Bedford-Stuyvesant and Bushwick mostly. Mm, okay. But I lived a lot of places. I was, uh part of the welfare system. <laughs> Farewell system, excuse me. <laughs> in projects or in houses? I lived in projects and um, uh, Section 8 homes. Mm. Yeah, because you could live in a brownstone, but... Were your parents together? No. Mm-hmm. You with your mom? Yeah, with my mom. Um, my mom and my brother, mm. mostly, yeah. Um, but I um, moved to Long Island in 84. Did your mom get married? No. Um, my mom 
My mom was a foster child mm. oh. growing up. So she lived many different places throughout her life. And um, Long Island was where she lived the most before she became an adult. Mm. Um, she um, moved to Brooklyn just to um, link back with her biological brothers and sisters. But she was living with foster parents majority oh. of her life. Mm. Um, and Long Island was um, the last place she was at in like her preteen and teenage years. She lived between Cinema Riches and Amityville. And after Amityville, she went to Brooklyn. What exits are those? What number exits? Uh, 32 South, mm-hmm. off the Southern State Parkway. Okay, because people, people from New York don't necessarily know stuff by town names. They know what exit they are. Like it's sort of like a subway stop in the city. It's like how it's how you know how far some shit is. So how far out is that? How far do you have to drive out there? Oh um, shit! From, from, from like Manhattan, say from Manhattan, yeah. About an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. Depending on which route you take home. So it's well past Queens, but it, it ain't anywhere near the Hamptons. Uh, the Hamptons is a lot further. Yeah. Yeah, the Hamptons is about another two hour, two and a half hour stretch from where I lived. Mm. I lived at the very beginning of Suffolk County. Yeah. So there was like another two and a half hours ago to get to the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so Prince Paul lived in your neighborhood. Prince Paul lived in Amityville. Prince Paul was in a group called Stetsasonic at the time. Uh, we had a song out called Just Say Stet, around 84, 85. Then they came with the album, uh, On Fire, that was doing really well. Doing... Them and Ultra Mag were like the hottest shit in like local that wasn't huge, huge MTV level. I mean, they had videos with dancers and all that stuff, but you know, for people who aren't as old as us, who, who don't know, like Stead was a was a was a big deal, um, but it it wasn't Run DMC. No, you know, they're I, I not a group that was a game changer unless you're really being there. There was nothing in the business at that time as big as Run DMC. I think Run DMC was the, uh, at the time, Run DMC definitely was the catalyst for hip hop to be recognized in a professional sense and sharing the same platform as other genres of music. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the blueprint everybody was following from a business perspective. Yeah. Um, I think every artist at that time appreciated being under that umbrella of more so not just Run DMC, but of Russell Simmons, mm. who's the brother of Run, of Run DMC. Mm. So um, you could kinda, when I think back, you could pretty much guess that hip hop was definitely developing its success and uh, earning the stripes and demanding its respect behind the surgeons of Run DMC and what was following. But I don't think anybody was gonna be, ever be as big as Run DMC based on who was in control of the business of right. Run DMC. Because here it is, I do remember stories of here come Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh and they could have been just as big. And there has been some conspiratorial things that them their light because mm. no one would ever be big, big, bigger than Run DMC. Yeah, and 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 a, and a big part of that is that um, Russell Simmons 
was before they even started Def Jam, he was managing Houdini. He was managing and, Curtis Blow. And Curtis Blow first. Who then, were then Houdini came later. Who were who were that was a really big deal. And so he had a lot of juice in the industry. And he he it wasn't just a situation where he was putting records out. He controlled who got booked at what clubs and who got put onto what tours and, well, a, and a lot of this other stuff. Well, more right? than anything, there was an assumption that Russell managed everybody. So they would talk to him. Oh, so like if anybody wants to get at somebody, they're going to go to him first. Yeah, so yeah. say for instance, he didn't ever manage the Fat Boys. Right. So here it is, there's an opportunity <clears throat> for the Fat Boys to be on, say, a Madonna's tour, and you got Russell going, well, they're in the studio, but how about Run DMC? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Because you're under the assumption that he manages everybody in rap, you know? Mm. Uh, So, (laughs) those things would happen based off of just playing off what people assumed, you know? Yeah. But um, going back to Prince Paul, meeting Paul was like just meeting a friend in the neighborhood. Like, for me, everybody was kind of starstruck with Paul even the people that grew up with him, because he was having success and things were changing in his life, more so the people around him as opposed to him, you know, and he would be going out on, you know, his last year in high school, like I think the year he graduated, he was, boom, on tour with Stat, you know, having yeah. a ball, you know, and um, having these experiences, going out on the Fresh Fests and going out on the Dope Jam Tour and being all up, part of the, the rap alumni that's just the craze right now from KRS-One to everybody. So Paul would come home, everybody would treat him differently. Me, I've kind of been used to being around guys like this coming up in Brooklyn, you know? Divine Sounds was like right there, you know what I mean? Mike Music, Flash is doing block parties throughout the summer. So Divine that, Sounds yeah. is the group that did The Roof Is On Fire, is that right? Oh uh, no, they did uh, What People Do For Money. Right, yeah, and, yeah. And Bed Star Do or Die. It was Bed Star Do or Die goes, um, uh, ha ha, you gotta do or die. New York City, New York City, looking pretty, looking pretty. It was like a, a freestyle party rap kind of thing. And Mike Music, the DJ of the group, was the first DJ I ever heard really rap, you know, like mm. really, you know, I mean, everybody would attribute to DJ Hollywood being like the rap, the first DJ that rap, but. Hollywood used to sing more than he rapped. He more harmonized and crooned. DJ uh, Mike Music was the one who really kicked the verse. Not intrigued me like DJ who rapped and he programmed. He made beats and shit like that too. So these guys was like right in Brooklyn. Divine Sounds was actually another group coming up competing with Randy MC as well. They okay. had what people do that uh, what people do for money was almost similar to it's like that. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, the B-side was also in competition with, uh, they had their own version of a DMX programmed song where it was in co- competition with um, Sucker MCs. DMX the drum machine. Yeah, DMX yeah. the drum machine, like where rappers were just rapping. Not the guy who smokes crack and goes to the <laughs> <laughs> And shoots at people. Well, you know there was a DMX, a human beatbox, they used to yeah, beatbox yeah, with yeah. Just Ice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the drum machine itself, everybody was making straight records off just the, either the DMX or the Lindrum or some shit. 
So that record was in competition with Sucker MCs, you know. Um, so I wasn't starstruck with Paul. I was happy for him. Definitely like someone I want to meet because I'm looking for an opportunity to do my thing or at least have him hear me do my thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so we would run into each other over a period of a good year from 80, like late 84 going into 85 and, you know, I was like, yo, man, we need to hook up. I want to play you some stuff. You know, and he was like, yo, I hear about you a lot. I hear about you a lot. He's like, man, for somebody who hasn't lived around here that long, you know, you're knowing a lot of people in a short period of time. I'm keep hearing about your name a lot. And there was one, this one kid named Double B who um, produced Peace Porridge and co-produced Let Let Me In. Oh. He, he's a... Uh, he had a handicap, he had three fingers. And he was an incredible DJ. So he's not mad fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Sad fingers. <laughs> but he was an incredible DJ. He's really, he's cut it up. But there was records he didn't have rocking the party at different times. So I built allegiance with him by sharing records that I had because I was from the the boroughs, so I had a lot more access to getting records that they were hearing on the radio that we was able to get, like maybe the week after Red or Chuck Chillock played it, you know, mm -hmm. go to Rock and Soul or Downstairs Records and they had it, you know what I mean, or Beat Street, you yeah. know, they had it. So I had these records, I was still like, I mean, still being new out in Long Island, I'm still traveling back around the old way, go see my old friends and go to record shop and all that, but more I got involved in school, going to school, meeting new friends, playing on the basketball court, going to some local parties, having a sack of records in my pocket, in my in my bag, and, and then just sharing it, knowing I couldn't get on because I ain't know nobody, but with just kind of getting the DJ in, yo, you got this, yo, you got, I need a beat, I love Cool J, you know, didn't have it, so I was like, yo, play that shit. You did that to me last night. <laughs> we were, and it, and, it, and it fucking, it caught me up. Can you, can you tell that, uh, can you tell that story real quick about, we were, we were, uh, we were DJing at the after party. Uh, tell that story real quick. Last night, first of all, you off the hook, fam. <laughs> I'm off the hook every night. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, man. Playing after party, spot called local. <clears throat> Scratch Bass and I, we going two for two, three for three, going back and forth, challenge each other on tunes and shit. We played for a while. Then Eris get back on, along with Cosmo, and they going back and forth, and they start going into the house and disco stuff and shit. So, um, and they killing it. But I see Scratch over there helping out Cosmo. <laughs> so I started to help Ares out. Like I just, you know, I just it was he was already doing his thing. He really didn't need no help. But it was one joint that was like right in that lane. I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna I think this is gonna kill it. And I I just assumed he had it. You know? I'd yeah. assume that any but, song. But to be perfectly honest, like Ares has he, it, right? He didn't have it. He didn't have it. <laughs> but he downloaded the joint on the spot, the joint I was looking for. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna get that shit, I'm gonna get it. He got it. And I he pulled it up. He was like, yo, I went to play it. I dropped it. 
I guess the song was that hot. He stopped me and grabbed me by my arms. He's like, yo, you make me so proud to be black. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yo, the city was just coming out with laughs. They had me dropping to my knees. It was Deneo Party Hard. Yeah, and is Deneo, like, I thought Deneo was, it's, it's the British like UK funky guy, right? That's what I thought, yeah. And but so that record is on Soka Gold. That's it's on the the like Soka Gold compilation. You know, there's like a reggae gold every year that comes out, and there's a Soka Gold. That that that's so weird that like a UK funky record would be on Soka Gold. Uh, but I didn't. Yeah, for some reason I didn't have that. I, I'm gonna play it every time now, <laughs> and I'm always gonna think of you. And, and the Be funny like, thing is, when you told that nice story, like I was nice drunk and I didn't remember that happening at all. Like that was news to me that I said that, but it, it certainly checks out. <laughs> But yeah, it started with me and Paul, man, linking up. And, you know, I mean, the moment we really linked, you know, um, I saw him in the mall, and that's when he got at me. He was like, yo, you keep seeing that. You keep saying you, you, you gotta get with me. He said, yo, we, when we gonna really get together? I said, yo, we really are, man. And then he came up to my high school. He came up to the high school one day. This was around late 85, going into 86. Um, he came up to the school, it was like my last, I had two periods left for the rest of the day. I ended up cutting my last two periods because he came up there, walked in the cafeteria. We in the middle of switching periods and I saw him. He was like, yo, what's up, what you doing? I was like, Prince Paul is asking me what's up, what am I doing? <laughs> I gotta make a snap decision now. Is it class or go jump in the car with him? I was like, nothing, man. <laughs> what you doing? He's like, let's ride out. I said, he said, you ain't got class? I was like, nah. <laughs> he was doing well I had class, but we got in the car, we ride out. He's playing me stuff from for for the upcoming album in full gear. And for Gil, they were working on that that, that whole year. So he's playing me a whole bunch of stuff. I'm like, whoa, this is incredible. You know, I'm here. The drums on that record. Yeah. Nice. You know, the way they the way they programmed the drums, like I, I think Stet was the first to start taking sampling to the next level, making it sound so melodic, you know, the cuts on top of the cuts we think are think Primo is famous for, I really think it started with Prince Paul. When mm. you go back and listen to old sets of Sonic records as far as cutting conceptually on top of records, and then that kind of transcended over to me, mm -hmm. doing Three Feet High and Rising. Mm -hmm. Primo came later, you know what I'm saying? So, and much respect to Prem's work, but... 
He'll be the first to say that he's the biggest fan of, of you and of Prince Paul. It's yeah, no disrespect yeah. no, at all. I, I love Prem. I love, I, I love Prem. I, I mean, I definitely hear Prem's influence, you know, when it comes down. You know, he has his own style, but uh, from but from a production standpoint, I see where Prem has been highly influenced by Mark the 45 King and from um, a... a Conceptual, conceptual cuts that marry with the chorus and mm. the the concept of the song. I think he got that from us, and Prince Paul. Hmm. You know, making I, the I, records I, talk. Yeah, tr truthfully, you know, and um, and me, I would say truly more from Prince Paul because that's the element of production I was studying from a hip hop perspective. You know. So that's a sonic I, I looked at as my as the first hip hop band, you know, mm -hmm. you know that had a human beatbox, a drummer, keyboard player, DJ, MMCs. So, but linking up with Paul and him playing all that stuff, and then he was like, "Yo, let me play you the stuff that's not making a record. Things that I think are cool." You know, he started talking about his little war stories and what he's dealing with with the group and being the DJ of the group and. Being the DJ, being the youngest, fighting through so much mm. to express his creative, ex, you know, expression mm -hmm. mm. with through through the group through the group that recruited him. He felt uh, slightly inhibited to do certain things, so he um, started playing me these other these other skits and all kinds of shit that he's like, "This is the stuff that's not making a record." I'm like, "Whoa, this shit's incredible." And it's blowing my mind, and I'm like, I know the stuff that we're working on on four track, and the shit that we doing conceptually, things we are uh, bugging out, just kind of like just being free and silly acting, and just just doing shit all on four track. So I heard the shit he was doing, like just coming fresh out the studio, and I'm like, damn, I just would like the quality of my shit to sound like that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, yo, man, I really need to play you some shit. He's like, you keep saying that. Let's go get it, man. I was like, let's go to my house. I got mad cassettes at the crib. Went and got all the cassettes of the shit we've been working on. And mind you, we had four track shit and we had like real hissy tape shit or like duping tapes and duping tapes before we even got the four track. Hmm. You know, just to layer sounds, mm -hmm. you know, and working with a Casio SK1 or SK5 that oh, you put up yeah. to the speaker to yeah. sample. You know, I had the stupid ass tiger, all that. And, <laughs> dog you know, bark. Yeah, the dog bark and all that <laughs> it's shit. Hilarious. Yeah, we, I, that was our first sampler, literally. Oh, God. It's, a, it's a toy. Yeah. It's a children's toy. That was, yo, Jesus. we made fun tuning with that shit. Could you imagine? We did like, a, the, the creative, the, the creativity that you had to come up with to do, like, from what you did, it's it's easily done now on like Ableton yeah. or whatever we're using to produce yeah. our music. Like you had to like sit there and be like, all right, how do I record this sound into this so that I can tape it yeah. onto another tape to make a beat? That's insane. Like Dude, just the creativity it, it, it that had, had to go into it. It had no input to even get a quality sound, so <laughs> I had to put it up to the speaker and try to get the best sound I could get out the speaker without it being distorting or anything like that. It would be the dirtiest fucking sound ever, but we did the best we could to get the, sh the ideas out, mm. you know? I mean, being quiet, just to lay the vocals. So I even think that's how the monotone of the group developed. Like, like 
next to I say EPMD, my group really rap with their real voices. You know, mm -hmm. like like they the way they talk is the way they rap. You know, like it's their voice. You know, like yeah, you are not MOP shouting. There's no <laughs> yeah, there's no antics. Yeah, there's no antics. It's not like Buster or anything like that. You rarely get that. You know. Um, but I think it came from or us. like Run DMC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah be yeah. yeah. And being really having to be really quiet just to kind of get the get everything down, man. Mm. You know. And I played Paul all that shit, and he was like, "What the?" It was like we landed on Plymouth Rock with one another. He's like, <laughs> he's like, "Yo, this is what I've been wanting to do." Like. He's like, I can't find the words for it, but this is where it's at. Like, like we got to push the limits. We got to take it to the next level. And mind you, Steck was still running in the footprints of Run DMC. Like, they were some rapping-ass yeah. rappers. Yeah, yeah they were some rapping-ass <laughs> rappers, but also it was like, when you listen to a lot of them rap records back then, as great as a lot of them may sound, and... People found, like I felt like a, a lot of rappers back there was kind of chameleons in their own right. They was able to pull off what somebody else was doing in their own way. And if when you listen, listen back to some of the stat stuff, a lot of those cadence was like, it's like that and like suck MCs. Listen to the rhyme styles of some of that shit, you know? Mm, yeah, right. I, I think it began to change up the more conceptual the music has gotten. Like, like, but did you feel like that start to sound different to me when they got more away from the rock and got into the soul mm. and started rhyming off like records like Sally Walk. to make albums from like you know pe people would attribute making how they make albums they, how they learn it from Dr. Dre or whomever or Quincy Jones us it was Stetsasonic you know how to actually really sequence your record where you, you can listen to it from beginning to end there's songs that take you on that ride that mm -hmm. mood you know and I think we went a little further when I was kind of painting a picture and telling a story you know, Stack always had you on a musical mood because mm. they were bad, you know? And those are the things that we acquired and we learned from them, you know? And Paul just was the quirky one. And they were so hard, BK, Brooklyn, you know, there was no open-minded, nothing about what they were trying to do, mm. you know? Um, I think their music, I think their rhyme styles just evolved with switching from rock to soul, you know? And that's when the change in the lyrical cadence started to happen. But Step was more on that rock shit, like Run DMC, like a lot of everybody was 
back then. Mm-hmm. It was like between the rock shit and human beatbox shit. Rick Rubin shit. Yeah, the, yeah, the constant Rick Rubin shit. It was always a major replication of that. And I think um, Molly was a catalyst of helping change the pendulum of sampling, you know, mm. where we got a little further, you know. And, well, we attribute Molly for that, but I think it's more so, when I learned the stories, it's more so Kane and Biz, you know. Because they were bringing the records they to were the bringing studio. Records to the studio, right. yeah. <clears throat> but Steve that was... Miller Band. Yeah, yeah. Toto or some shit. Right. Like Otis Redding, all that, all yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, so, the turn of how music was being made, and then Paul going further, like, with the corky shit, like, here it is. Our collections was coming off of, in the house, what we grew up with, our parents. You know, me, I felt like having the best of both worlds between living in the city, now living in Long Island. You know, just being blessed to collect record collections from everybody in my family who just gave up on records because they got cassettes now. Right. <laughs> you know, cassettes, wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> so advanced. Yeah. yeah right? you, can, you can jump yeah. while you dance now in the living room. They really regret getting into mini discs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, and not being, you know, not being the road to the music we made, but Paul being seasoned already with what he was doing, so he was able, he, he was ready to indulge more. He was going into Kitty Records. He was going into Peter Pan shit and, you know, Disney Records. He was just going, pushing the limits, you know? Yeah. With uh, Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash was yeah. Dave. Johnny Cash oh, okay. was Dave, okay. you know? Like, here it is, we had our own element of things that were inspiring to him. Because mm-hmm. what I was bringing more to the table was like, yeah, the funk, the soul, the Chuck Jacksons, the Bobby Bird, the Parliament Funkadelic, even the, the Calypso and reggae shit I was bringing to the table, you know? That was all the influence in my household. Um, Dave's parents was like, you know, they're from the Haitian descent. So they were more like listening to ABC. They listened to like, more like um, like the Beach Boys and shit like that, mm, yeah. you know? Country records like Johnny Cash, like Caribbean people really got more into like country music and I know country's uh, really big in Jamaica. And, 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 yeah, and, well, there was, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. folk music, and yeah. folk music, you know what I'm saying? Um, Pass comes from the, he had the, the whole church background, you know, like his parents was in church every freaking Sunday, you know mm. what I'm saying? His father was a deacon, you mm. know, so he had that element and, and, and what, pe- played, what played a big part from that was, I guess, the, the singing the hymns and all of that and the learning the church songs brought a lot of melody and concepts to what we were doing based on what Pops was learning from church alone, you know, um, and the hypocriticism in church. <laughs> because, right, yeah. yeah, here it is, like, yo, come on, he was in church every Sunday, but he got a brother who was smoking crack regular, you know mm. what I mean? Like, come on, he did a song called My Brother's a Bass Head, you know, mm. and he made reference to how they were in church. Come on, we even had a church skit around it. You know what I'm saying? You know, but him really writing a real story about how his brother was on drugs for a lot of years, you know? Mm. So, you know, all that played a natural part of our music because it's what's happening in our lives, you know? Paul brought the experience of what he was already doing and how much further 
he just had a vision of how he, where he could see not where De La Soul's going, but where hip hop can go. Mm-hmm. You know, what, like let's get out this box. Yeah, you know, right. You know, it's constantly we putting we throwing in the box until something new comes along to switch the pendulum around. You know, and we all had that feeling like we were something new. What even what truly gave us the inspiration? What gave us the inspiration to make music was Ultra Mag. To really make music, you know, hmm. it was Ultra Mag. Like collectively, what we was bringing together between the three of us. You know, knowing that, damn, we could really be different. You know what I mean? Like Keith like, was like, yeah, was, like Keith lyrically, and and even said, "Gee, coming with the beats and all that." Like he was out there with it. They was they were tapping into, it was going further into what they were tapping into musically, and the way they were doing it. Like some samples that were like really slow said you would speed that shit up to like 123 and and they got a whole new thing with a james brown sample that was probably like just 80 bpm you know what i mean so just the dynamics of how they were just creating it was like yeah we could do this shit and and then when it came time to say like yo i think we could make a record like we could put a record out I think we could put a record out, man. When it started coming close to home, Long Island rappers making records. Here come Eric and Paris. Here come JVC Force. Here come, here come PE. Yeah. You know. Here come Rakim. Here come um, shit. Um, Easy and True. Craig Mack before he right. was yeah, Craig yeah, Mack. Yeah. You know. Get retarded. Uh, Freddie Fox. You know what I'm saying. Kings of Pressure. <clears throat> you know. It was a whole lot of Long Island shit jumping off. It was like, yo, this is like right in our backyard, you know? Hmm. And that's when, you know, working with Paul, things start to come to light. Paul Paul definitely said, yo, man, I can't make you no promises, but we're going to go to the studio and we're going to do some work. And you guys got to come up with the studio money because this is your stuff, you know? He said, but I'm going to devote myself to this. He's like, I feel something here. He said, I can't make no promises. He's a, and then it, and behind that statement, he just started talking about the downside of what he loved, and you know the success trail of it is how limited it has been, you know, and uh, pros and cons of being in a group situation, the the whole gift and the curse of being in a group situation. When everybody's on the same page, the magic is there. Mm. When people aren't on the same page, it's not okay. It's, 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 it's flatlined. Mm-hmm. It's dead, you know. And um, and if you don't, if if you're that young too, and you don't have like the tools to express that, or the, or if you're not somebody who speaks your mind, in a group situation like that, there tends to be one person who sort of dominates the other people in the group. Well, in the, everybody has their personalities. And I think in the embryonic stages, it's like, you know, people convicted on what they want to do. And I, you know, I don't think we ever really had that issue like that. Um, I think when somebody just convicted on what they want to do, it's just been keen for us to support it. And I think that's from learning from situations like stack where people weren't very supportive of one another's ideas, you know? 
Um, yeah, and with us, we've always supported each other's ideas, even if we didn't get it or even if we didn't like it. You know, it was like you know, let's let's see it through till mm -hmm. the end. Let's at least see the idea through until the end. Mm -hmm. It's just an idea. You know, let's not be gunslingers here. Let's not shoot down anybody's idea until we at least try it. You right. know what I'm saying? So you try it, we get to the finish line. If we don't like it then, then we scratch it. Fix something. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's exactly how we work too. It's the you same know? sort of sort of thing where like somebody will, will, will say something and like it's always in that, that producer sort of speak where it's like maybe you should change that eh, to moon or whatever mm -hmm. and like you just say like that and then you try it out and like listen to it and we'll listen to it they're like all of us won't even look like just like listen to what we're doing and then um, then we talk about it after and if it works and it works and if it doesn't then it doesn't mm -hmm. and you know it'll take like a whole day to fix it the way that you wanted it and then you have to like start over again right. but we yeah we always try and, and, and feel out each other's ideas I mean the creative, pro creative process amongst your friends is always a challenging moment, especially when, you know, you know, you don't know when you're gonna r rub somebody the wrong way. You just don't know when, you know. Um, you, you, you don't even mean it when it happens, you know. Um, but it's just the honesty of what you feel coming out, you know. And we we embrace that from day one. Definitely watch instead, you know. Um, but learning the pros and cons of a group situation, which I can say I've been through those pros and cons being in Daylight. Maybe not exactly a step, but definitely when we're not on the same page, come on, there ain't been an album in a solid album in like eight years, you know? But when we are on the same page, it comes together and it comes together nicely. Like, and that's the unexplainable shit. You know, that's the magic. That's like, how did y'all do it? We looking at each other, how did we do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, once again, we we like it. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I like you, you motherfucker. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and it's hard That's why you guys are still cool though, like, you know, however many years later. Well, what I learned and this is all wisdom in recent days as you get older and you you come to programs like this you know and you know being a part of different events and you run into people you respect and they have a mutual respect for you and you have an epiphany of damn i didn't know i did i had that effect on you guys like that <laughs> i had no fucking clue you know what i'm saying so it's all inspiration in knowing like in learning what I've done like because when I was doing it I had no clue what I was doing I'm just really trying to kind of not be in the street trying to have a reprieve of the bullshit that I'm already going through in my personal world no dad at home I'm the father figure in my house mm -hmm. you know what I mean like so here it is this is the moment I'm really getting with my friends and they're getting to be a kid mm -hmm. you know what I mean so that's what you hear on three feet high rising you hear some real kids you know what I mean the, the only time in my life I probably got to be a kid, mm. you know, because once I'm uh -huh. done with the studio, I'm dealing with bullshit, yeah. you know. So, you know, and, and that being the scenario is like, I learned our our success is truly based on our friendship, not really on the music, because here it is. We even made music people don't even clearly understand to this day, you know. 
those questions you've asked, you probably knew the answers yourself, but <laughs> granted, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, but granted, a lot of people don't know them. You know, I know dudes in the hood, like hood, hood dudes, like hood, hood, like I will rob you. You look the wrong way, you right. know, you show any kind of weakness, I'll rob you. But they love potholes in my lawn. <laughs> like, y'all have one street dude that I know, like I work with this rapper, you know, he comes hard out the street, but he's a loving dude, man. And he's a great MC, his name is Bill Ray, and his crew is hardcore. Like, they street dudes, you know. But one of them, like, yo, put Macy on the phone. Put me on the phone. And this motherfucker singing potholes in my lawn. <laughs> beginning to end. I swear to you, beginning to end. And his name is Butter. Dude name is Butter. He sing this shit beginning to fucking end. And I'm like, yo, this nigga know the fucking whole fucking song, Billy. He's like, I know he's fucking... He said, like, I wouldn't think he knew De La like that. He listened to so much trap music, I wouldn't think he knew. And he's singing Pahos in my lawn, beginning to end, and then at the end of the shit, he goes, Mace, what the hell does this record mean? He's singing the whole shit, don't know what it means. <laughs> Yo, something's wrong here. No, not again. Get the daisies for the Pahos in my lawn. Saying what to do when sucker lunatics start digging and chewing. They don't know that the soul don't go for that potholes in my lawn. And that goes for my rhyme sheet, which I concentrated so hard on. See, I don't ask for maximum security, but my dwelling is swelling. It lit my butt when I happened to fall into a spot where no ink or an ink block was on the scroll. I just wrote me a new mold, but now it's gone. Cause those suckers knew that I hate to recognize that every time I'm like, it's gone. Potholes in my lawn. So that let me know people like our music, if we if we really feel it, people feel it. Even if they don't understand it, they feel that shit. So you know, they are so perfect name from the soul. Cause if it's in our soul and we feel it, yeah, we realize the our fans, people who follow us, they really feel what we feel. Like I mean, I understand them dudes, but I like them. I feel them, and 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 and, and this is what I said to the group recently. And Dave looked at me like he's like, "Mace, you're right." He's like, "I really think you're right." Well, I mean, the interesting thing about you as a group is that there is that complete honesty and you're all allowed to completely be yourselves, but it also, and especially in the beginning, you were making this art that was like much more kind of decorated and you were being characters in it and like shrouding all this stuff with these weird slang words that you made up and, and all this mystery and shit so that when you when you came out and people were calling you hip hop hippies and like buying into those things it, it became really difficult for people to understand that like where is the line between your art and who you are as a person because I've heard, I've heard stories about like people thinking you were soft because you were making 
Yeah, you know? not so much no Because you had jokes. Yeah, not, and not so much no especially when you're coming up in a time of, of the music relative, relatively being looked at somewhat, whoever's behind the mic, he either was hardcore or he was some smooth ladies man. You know, at the end of the day, he had some sort of street persona, you know, where you didn't expect the corky nerd dude or just the dude who was like on the football team or the wrestling team to be wanting to make him good hip hop records, you know. There was just a certain uh, stigmatism with the rapper more than anything, you know. And we didn't fit that criteria. But when it comes down to real life, and you think you want to chin check me, I mean, come on, man. You're not going to let nobody fuck with you out of pocket. You know what I'm saying? Regardless yeah. of how big or small you are. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty small. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I'm sure you'll size up the situation well enough to either say, yo, either I'm going to fight this dude and I'm going to go all out or I'm not going to fight him at all. You know what I'm saying? And I've been in those, those tight situations. There's no bluffing. No, there's just none. None. You know, and I think as a... As an individual and as a man, no one wants to be tested, you know, you know, and of course nobody looks to take a loss, you know. And mind you, in my situation where I didn't fit the criteria of the 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 the, the, the rapper that's supposed to be tough, you know, yeah. my situation becomes more inflamed when I actually whoop your ass. <laughs> because here it is, I'm not supposed to be the one to come out on top. Based on the perception, I mean, I'm supposed to be the one to get my ass kicked. Based on the style of music that I make and how lighthearted and joking and fun it is, there's a possibility I, based on what I'm displaying, it appears that I'm the sucker. Yeah. So, cool, I, I, I'll take that, I'll take that. I'll take that in words. Come within arm's reach and you'll find out different. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And here it is. Okay, here's a better analogy. And I'm definitely not that. But that's like that's like uh, a real hard dude going to jail and getting his ass whooped by a faggot. Which is possible. You know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of people, when they do go to jail, you don't hear them getting into no shit with no fucking punks in jail, don't sleep. He fight like a man and he fight like a woman. And to be in that and to be and to be in that predicament in prison, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You kinda you fighting for your you fighting for your yeah. life. You know what I'm saying? So don't go in there thinking you gonna beat up some sissy and you end up becoming a sissy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta always realize that yo, the, the come on, the little guy may be a grappler. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He might know some pressure points that might fuck me up. You know what I'm saying? So, or you bite know. your ear off. <laughs> but anybody or pick up something anybody, sharp and poke any, you with anybody it. can yeah. get their ass whooped. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten, come on, man. I mean, look at what happened to Sticky Fingers on MTV. You know. So did did you guys and, and Native Tongues feel like you you had to kind of like um, like band together and kind of like. Stick up for like, you know, you yeah, know fun, fun, no, fun, no, fun, no, we were just fun real, shit, fun shit, like, 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 you know, 
Cause Co- to, quality new sound with like with, with like jokes and with like it, you know it was un, like, it was our natural being it was never it was never a conscious effort like that's it was naturally who we just are you know um just what would fuck it up is when <laughs> people would have what they feel their perception is and what we when you reach a certain status the so-called fan have an expectation of what they think you should be doing with your life. They feel like they have some fucking autonomy on how you should be living your life. And here it is, you know, every now and again, if we got into a fight, it's like, oh, shame on Dayla. But you don't even know the whole fucking story, so-called fan, you know what I'm saying? You don't realize it's a situation I had to really protect myself, you know, and granted, I've been blessed to come out on top. But now you're looking at me like I'm some bully or some thug because I won. Yeah, you're the bad guy. So are you cool with the fact that I would get my ass kicked? You would be, would that be more of a pleasure to you? If you shoot me, you're famous. If I shoot you, I'm brainless. (laughs) What's a nigga to do? Simple. Perfect, man. Perfect quote. Perfect, man. You know? So in that that being a scenario, especially in this hip-hop shit, like we all, a lot of us, are from the neighborhood. A lot of us is from, you know, whether it's the suburbs or the boroughs, you know, we all from some pretty tough times, you know. Here it is, Poss, going through some tough times, but not the tough times I may be going through, you know. The tough times I'm dealing with, yeah, I don't have no dad at home, so I'm helping my moms put food on the table. But the tough times he's going through, he losing his moms. Mm. In the midst of us making a record, she's dying of cancer. You know what I'm saying? So it's a different dynamics of people's struggles. You know, doesn't always from an economical standpoint. You know, it's from a spiritual standpoint too. He lost his mom. You know, in the midst of us on a road to success, she couldn't even see it happen. You know mm. what I mean? You know, in the physical essence. So mm-hmm. that's a little. You know, that's that's tough. That's real. No, it's definitely that's tough, real. bro. You know what I'm saying? You know, and then coming from the relevant struggles, it's like, yo, it could turn a kid out. You know, it could turn you either way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But how Pa's mom's died, he could have easily, like, went from the nerdy kid to a killer. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've heard him say on many occasions, I lost my mom, I could lose a friend. Mm. I feel that. Mm. It's, a deep, it's a hard blow. As a friend, mm-hmm. it's a hard blow. But you know, that goes to show how much more we need to be more than just friends, we family, you know? He need me to be a brother more than he need me to be a friend, because friends do come and go, you know what I'm saying? You know, and that's what our relationship has been, because here it is, it ain't all been peachy keen, like we do have our fights, mm-hmm. you know, and- Like brothers do though, not, right? And not physical fights, you know? It never been nothing physical. <laughs> never been nothing physical, because here it is, it's knowing like, we brothers in a spiritual sense, so, Throwing that physical blow could break that spiritual bond. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we aren't biological brothers. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to be cognizant of. Like, that's mm-hmm. one thing I'm cognizant of, knowing I come from an era where I had my so-called friends turn right on me in the midst of hanging out. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we hanging out, and this all of a sudden, this dude reach over and punch me in my face. Who has he got something to prove to? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. where did that come from? I'm all confused in my face because we him been hanging out all day and he just offed me. <laughs> Came midnight, he offed on my face, you know? And I'm confused because we've been kicking it all day. 
So yeah, that kind of stupid shit that has happened, you know, amongst friends. Right. How many of us have them? Right. right. <laughs> Here wow. we go back to hip hop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yo, G. Yo, what up, G man? Yo, man, you heard about that new club called Donut Hell, B? Yeah, man, I heard it's kind of fly. Yo, man, man Rock Kim and Dela be hunting all the time. Word up. All the time. Yo, Dela. Yo, those punk kids, man. Hey, punk. Yo, man, those kids are whack, man. Straight up booty. Whack. Yo, man, but yo, that buddy, yo, that was kind of far, man. The yeah, power slammed. Word it, yo, it was. But yo, forget about that, man. Yo, after they came out with Pluck 1, Pluck 2, and Potholes, yo, man, they fell over the brothers, man. Yes, they did, man. Yo, yo, they were straight up pop, man. I'm telling you, flip them fast. Yo, check it out, BWRMS is going to party at the club, though, man. Word up. Yo, yo, I ain't so let them brothers show up, man. Let them brothers get up. I'm so jacked on them niggas. Run up on my name, my name, my name is the pasta. Now I like, I like, I like to plug the real thing. So loose, so loose, so loose with the tap dance. The funk, the funk, funky, funky stuff I bring. My tribe, my tribe, my tribe is known as Native Tongue. Consist, consist, consist of Jungle Quest and others. We'll play, we'll play, we'll play, we'll ride on radio. And all, and all, and also by some foul brother. The piece, the piece, the piece, porridge never failed. It kept, it kept, it kept this calm and style and merry. But late, but lately, Looney's acting real bold. Can sit in luxury, my apple cranberry. Girls watch and watch and watch me dance to King Tut. A home, a home, a home, it's just to plan tricks. Don't real, the real, the realize the native tongue is rolling strong. And we're starting in the mega mix. Yo, Miss Thing. Yo, Marisol, what's up? You heard about what happened at the Donut Hill the Yo, yo, night? I was there and the Zaylock kids was fighting. Yo, they was wildin'. Word, the whole thing happened in front of my face. Yo, they was on the dance floor, right? Mm-hmm. Some kids walked up to them and said something about hippies being punk. Mm-hmm. Yo, and a chubby one, plug yeah. three. Plug yeah, three, all right, plug three, all right. He walked up to this kid, hit him real quick. Think he didn't when he did. And then them other kids, the Jungle Brothers and Quest and, um, what's the other ones? The other ones. The, the violators. Vi- right, the yeah, violators. The right, right. Throwing cheers and they didn't care who they was hitting. Yeah. You think they wasn't? Yeah. And that's if only I can ask this question. Can I? Yes, you can. Why do people think just because we speak peace, we can't throw no joints? I, I, I don't know. Miss, this is the ninth day I reheated this porridge. You know it keeps me peacefully, no? Yeah, but my tolerance level has now peaked. And now it's time for some heads to get flown. We bring, we bring, we bring, we bring the piece of course. But pack a knot inside, inside my daylight drawers. A, pi- a picture, picture, picture painted pink could turn to red, to red, to red and bloody quick. But in a single farm, my native tongue is calm. I ra- I rather bless a brother palm to palm. With e- with ease, I can converse a unity and shack and shackle steps to the beat beat. I click, I click the TV to the Simpsons and sip the porridge deep into my system. So me- so mellow mode is my day mode inside the studio or on the road. The swing, the swing alone is the now step. It's murder if you bet, cause your lies jet. To praise, to praise, the soul is on a down track. It's false because we'll spray you with the black flag. Geese porridge in the pot. Geese porridge in the pot. Geese porridge in the pot. Nine days old. Geese porridge in the pot. Geese porridge in the pot. Geese porridge in the pot. Nine days old. Can't stand, can't stand, can't stand the pop music. Brother, brother, brothers pop a lot of cow. Don't watch, don't watch, don't watch a lot of basketball. Don't, un- don't understand the act of being foul. Hey D, hey D, hey D, they set the record up. It's time, it's time and time to tame the naughty pups. Throw on the touchy finger serenade so we can throw our lemonade in the face and kick a little butt. 
and they're off. And makes it the first to throw a punch, and he connects lovely to the ribcage. Wouldn't you say so, score? Indeed, indeed. I would say he showed a lot of form in the combination, but look at the hook that trying to escape. Yeah, it seems that that particular hook was showing great form in trying to escape, but he uh, just got his ass boxed. People want to get ragged with the rerun. Me not, me not, me not scared to charge a bit. They can't, they can't, they can't get close to none. I tap, I tap, I tap, I dance, war skit. The poor, the poor, the porridge got crazy cold. We won't, we won't eat until the heads are flown. Take advantage to a cool one's peaceful ways. But when, but when we fly that head, all the people say. Here in Frogland, we always eat our porridge because it keeps us frog real peaceful like. In my land, my people eat dung porridge. And I don't know what it's saying, but they are so, so violent, and we are so peaceful. We sit by the campfire and listen to our rituals, and they are so violent. I don't understand. I don't understand. Peace, porridge in the pot. Peace, porridge in the pot. Peace, porridge in the pot. Nine days old. Peace, porridge in the pot. Peace, porridge in the pot. Peace, porridge in the pot. Nine days old. Peace, porridge in the pot. That's it? That's all? Van, damn, what happened? What happened to the pimps? What happened to the guns? Know, what right? happened to the curse words? That's what rap music is all about, right? Yeah, man, right? right. That little bastard, Jeff, he found the right place. Garbage! De La Soul is dead. All right, let's yeah. be out. Let's, 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 yeah. let's get the fuck out. Crocker. Crocker. Now, <laughs> on, let's go play Hammer. <laughs> <laughs>